Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. I want to turn to Isaiah chapter 7. We're going to have some fun today. Um, I, I believe God wants to speak to you. We just got out of a series called Listen on hear to, how to hear the voice of God. We believe that God wants to speak to us. God wants to speak to you. And we believe that with all our heart. We're, we're starting a new series today called God With Us. Uh, the, 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 one of the names of Jesus is Emmanuel which means God with us, not God apart, afar, not God apart from us, not God at a distance, but God with us. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And we know this, Emmanuel means God with us. Now I think it's interesting for them to say that there will be a time when God is with us, then there also has been a time when God wasn't. For there to be a promise that God would be means that there was also an expansive time where God was not. When Isaiah begins to prophesy this, many people don't know this, but when Isaiah prophesied that Jesus would come, that his name would be Emmanuel, this was 700 years before Mary had Jesus. So, I mean, we're talking 700 years. I mean, we have a hard time waiting like three days for Amazon Prime to get our package to the doorstep. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, this is 700 years. Isaiah had no idea. He prophesied as God came on him, and he prophesied that there would be a one that would come. His name would be Emmanuel, which would represent prophetically that God, who had been afar from us, now has come close. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but God in the Old Testament was off limits. That's the best way to describe it is, is that he was off limits. God came when he wanted to come. God showed up when he wanted to show up. God came on certain people, but not everybody. When we look at the Bible, we read about the people that God did show up to. Like we talk about Moses, right? Moses, we're like, oh man, God showed up to Moses. He did, but what about the three million people on the bottom of the mountain? You remember the story? God called Moses up, and God had a conversation with Moses, but Moses went back down to the people. The people never got to see God. They were afar off. They were distant from him. In other words, God was off limits. God was, when sin entered the world in Genesis, in the first book of the Bible, Adam and Eve, sin enters the world, all of a sudden there was a divide put between us and God. God loved us, God wanted to be with us, but because of the sin in us, it put him at a distance from us. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 3, that all have fallen short, everybody, Everybody has come up short. All have sinned. All have come up short. Uh, you may have had a good week this week, but that doesn't mean you don't have sin in you. I mean, you know, you, you may feel good about like, man, 2018's been pretty good. I don't think I've sinned all 2018. We were born with sin. We were born into sin, and because of that, now God is at a distance from mankind. This is why something had to be done. It was, he, was, he was literally off limits. I, I, was, I was flying back. Uh, from Australia with Pastor Keon uh, a couple months ago, and and, uh, we were on our way back, and I checked my boarding pass, and I got like the best news that you can ever get on a 15-hour flight. You have been upgraded, right? 
I mean, it's like, I'm like, I did a little praise break in the airport, little dance, got my streamers out. I mean, I was like, the whole, the whole meal deal, blowed the shofar. I mean, like, I was, I was, I was celebrating. And, uh, and then I felt like, you know, I shouldn't, I shouldn't just take this. So I told Pastor Keon, I said, hey, Pastor Keon, I, I want you to take this upgrade. Like, you have my seat, I'll have your seat. And uh, he goes, no, you know, our seats aren't that bad. I'm like, no, no, seriously, take it, man. I want you to have it. Because this is like, this is the international flight. So this is not like first class, this is like the pod. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like you've seen those, right? Some of you are like, well, we always fly that way. Well, I don't. I look through the curtain. Like, they're laying down all the way. They're giving them food and water. You know, it's like, we're back in, you know, whatever that is. And uh, you got to pay for like, could I have a drink from the water fountain? It's like $39.95, sir. And you didn't pre-order it. So, I mean, it's like... So, so, so I, got, I, got, I got this upgrade, and, and so I told Pastor Keon, I was like, you got to take it. He said, no, I'm not taking this. So I'm, I, I took it, and um, I went up there, and they've got, like, all these packages waiting for it. It's like Christmas. Like, I start opening these things, brand new, in packages. I start opening them, headphones, pajamas. This is not a, this is not a lie. Pajamas. They got pajamas in there. I'm like, should I, when do I change? Like, they they didn't even have, like, how to do this. Like, so I just tried to act like, I tried looking around because I don't want to be the only one in the pods that don't know how to put the pajamas on, you know? Like, do you do it here? Do you go to the lavatory? Like, I mean, how does this work? And so I, I'm dumb there, and, and um, I just kind of opted to just hold the pajamas. And uh, I didn't see anybody changing yet, so I thought there must be, like, a, a first-class changing time. And so I was just going to wait. And so, so I, I just waited. And so I got, I'm laying all the way down. We hadn't even taken off yet. I'm laying all the way down, just straight. It's like, this is awesome. And I get a text from Keon. And he goes, you'll never guess what happened. I'm like, what, man? It's awesome up here. And he goes, uh, he goes the guy next to me just spilled his coffee on me. 15-hour flight, hadn't taken off yet. And I'm like, bro, next time someone offers you something, you better take it. You better take it. And then I started praising God again that I did not give up that seat. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Like, I, I, that would not have been a good situation. And up there, there in first class. Now, now I, I got to be honest with you, that's not often the way that I fly, okay? Because usually I'm back in the, the, uh, the other seats. And uh, I was sitting in the front row of economy, okay? Front row. I mean, just as close as I can get to the pods, but not in the pods, you know? Like, I'm just looking through the curtain. I'm there. I'm in the front row. On this plane, the bathroom that was available for me was in the back of the plane, but I was sitting in the front of the plane. I was was sitting, like, literally five feet away from first class. Five feet in the curtain is the only thing that separated me from those people. And I'm like, I look like one of those people. Like, surely, (laughs) surely I can slide in and use their restroom. That's what I'm thinking. Like, like it's like, it's like segregation out there. It's crazy. And uh, so I'm, I'm like, I'm like, okay, if I can just, because the only pl- bathroom for me is in the back of the plane. I'm like, if I, I, I can just slide in there real quick, just act like I belong. And and uh, so I, I get up, I go past the curtain. It just smells different, feels different. I'm like, wow, look at these people. It's awesome. So I go for the door, and the lady taps me on the shoulder. Excuse me, sir. I'm like, yes. She goes, do you have a ticket for first class? I'm like, it's complicated. <laughs> sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Today just happens to be, I happen to be in row seven, you start in row six, that's pretty close. She goes, I'm sorry, sir, you're gonna have to go back and use the other restroom. I'm like, it's, it's right. Don't, see, the worst thing about sneaking, it's, 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 something worse about sneaking and using that bathroom is when you get denied 
and you have to go back outside the curtain and then walk through 37 rows of people going, they got you, they got you, they got you. It's like little demons from hell just looking at you like, they got you. They got you. like, I'm sorry, okay, I didn't have a ticket. And so, you know, you, you know what I was thinking about this week is like, is the presence of God to the people in the Old Testament was real similar to this in that it was just off limits. It, they could get close, but they could not go in. People could get close to God, but they could not come in to his presence. There were certain people in the Bible that had access to the presence of God, and it was people that God chose to meet with, God chose to show up with, but it was not for everybody. So when Isaiah began to prophesy that there would be a time where there would be a boy, a man that was born, and his name would be Emmanuel, God with us, this was a shock to everyone that heard it because they knew that there was a God, but they did not know that there could be a God that could be with us. Emmanuel, it actually means God with us. If you really dissect it the way the Hebrew uh, defines it and interprets it, it, it should read this. Emmanuel should read, with us is God. With us is God everywhere that you go. Every place, every place that you travel to, everything that you go through, that God is with you. It's something we say in just as a cliche, God is with you, God is with me, we know it. But honestly, in our day-to-day -day lives, I don't know if we really know that God is with us. That God is with us in the decisions, that God is with us in the doubts, that God is with us in the valleys, that God is with us in the mountains, that God is with us. In the Old Testament, there is a, there's a story of a man that God chose to be with. It wasn't this man's choosing to, be, choosing to be with God. It was God's choosing to be with this man. His name was Joseph. Genesis chapter 39. I'll read this to you because I think this is very interesting because what Joseph shows us in his life is a prophetic picture of what life would look like when God was with someone. It is a prophetic picture in the Old Testament of what life would look like when Emmanuel, God with us, would come. Genesis chapter 39, it says this. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Now you got to know this. Is, things were not going good for Joseph. All right? People like read this. People read the Bible so wildly. We don't even like really read it. It's just like, it, it, we read little bits and pieces that like apply to us, and then we want to apply to us, and we forget the rest. Joseph has been sold as a slave by his brothers. He's been betrayed, he was left for dead, now he's sold into slavery, okay? This is really important to know. Since he's been taken down to Egypt, he wasn't going there for a visit, he was in slavery. It says Potiphar, an Egyptian, who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken them there. Now listen to this. The Lord was with Joseph. He was with him. This is the part that we love. We, people quote this. They, they, a lot of people have this verse memorized. The Lord was with Joseph, so he prospered. We love that. He was also in prison. He was also a slave. Things were not going well. It was that in the midst of what he was going through, God was with him. 
This is where people get confused because people wonder, why did this happen? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do, I'm going to tell you this. The bad things that have happened in your life are not because God took a day off, not because God didn't see you, not because God didn't intervene. It's because the Bible says that the world is in the hands of the evil one. The rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. Bad things happen. But if God is with you, that in the midst of bad things, that he will, prov- he will provide for you, he will support you, you, he will protect you, and he will bring you through it. The promise was never that you would never encounter hard things. The promise was that when you went through hard things, that he would be with you. We get all messed up in Christianity. We think, oh man, if I just serve God right, like everything's going to be good, and he'll prosper me like Joseph. Do you want to be prospered like Joseph was prospered? Like honestly, like read the whole chapter, and then like make your decision. I mean, we probably prayed crazy stuff like, God, prosper me like Joseph. Joseph got sold as a slave. Everywhere he went, he got betrayed, he got forgotten, he got falsely accused. This is Joseph, but God was with him. Isn't this the the confusing element is that even in the midst of his trials, God was with him so that he prospered. And he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes, and he became his attendant. Here's his promotion. From slave to attendant. That's like, that was the promotion. You're like waiting for the next. No, that's it. That's it. He's an attendant now. Like, that was his promotion. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian, look at this, because of Joseph. Why did God bless him? Because of Joseph. Why did God bless Potiphar? Because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. I want you to know this. Joseph didn't escape the pain of life, but God was with him every step of the way. Because God was with him, he prospered. Because God was with Joseph, Joseph prospered. See, prosperity in the Bible is different than what we think of prosperity. We think of prosperity and we're thinking like new car, lake house, new, I mean, it's like we we automatically go material. But to prosper, according to scripture, is to be well or to be abundant in every area. Financially, abundant. Relationally, abundant. Emotionally, abundant. Relationally, abundant. Physically, abundant. Not just one area, but in every area that you would prosper, this is the byproduct of people who have God with them. This is a prophetic picture that Joseph, as he walked through life, even though he got betrayed, even though he was falsely accused, that his God was with him. So even when he encountered those difficulties, God still brought him through. God still got the glory. God still advanced him, even in the midst of what he walked through. Matthew Henry says this, by the light of nature, we see God as God above us. By the light of the law, we see him as a God against us. But by the light of the gospel, we see him as Emmanuel, God with us. See, the picture in Joseph is is a prophetic picture of what would be with Emmanuel. Because many people only know God as the God of the law, which is God is against us. I'm a sinner, I've made mistakes, so God is against me. But when Jesus came, 
This is the meaning of Christmas. This is everything about Christmas is that God is with us. If, 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 you, if you were to wrap up all of Christmas, all the gifts, all the celebrations, everything we do, if you were to wrap it all up, it would be contained in three words. And those words are this, God with us. That's it. What Joseph experienced is God with him. And because God was with him, he prospered. Not only did he prosper, but he was successful. Not only was he successful, he was blessed. Not only was he blessed, but everyone he was connected to was blessed. Did you know there's people in your life that are blessed because you're connected to them? Not, not because of you, but because God's with you. This is, where, this, this, this is where we can sometimes get confused is because we don't want to be arrogant and say we're blessed or you're blessed because you're connected to me. That sounds terrible. But if you understand that God's with you, that wherever you go, God's blessing is on you, that he goes before you, that he's going to prosper you, that he's going to make you successful, that he's going to give you favor. There is something that happens in the life of a believer when they recognize that it is not me who live, but Christ who lives in me, that the favor of God, the prosperity of God, the blessing of God happens as a result of God being with me. Did you, did you know God's with you? God's, God's with you? The, 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 I, I call this the, the progression of proximity. I want to give you a couple things because I think this will really minister to you. The progression of proximity. And the first thing is what we're talking about as Emmanuel. God is with you. Did you know that God did everything humanly possible, supernaturally possible, so that he could have relationship with us? There was nothing God wouldn't give. There was no price that he wouldn't pay. And he gave his only son. We know this. He sacrificed Jesus so that he could have relationship with us. That is the reason that he gave Jesus. Is it so he could be with us? Because as soon as sin entered the world and there was distance, or there was a gap, or there was restricted access, or there was people that were off limits, God went to work. 700 years before Jesus was born, he sent a prophet named Isaiah, and Isaiah gave a promise to all the people that even though the God is off limits right now, if you can wait, there will be one who will be born of a virgin. His name will be Jesus. He will be Emmanuel, the God who saves. He will be the God that is with If you 700 years later, Mary gets visited by an angel. She becomes pregnant. She gives birth to Jesus in Bethlehem. All of these things begin to happen as a result of the God-given plan, the God-orchestrated, the God-strategic plan so that you and I could have relationship with him. This is elementary, but this is foundational. If you don't get this, you'll never understand how connected and how a part of the family of God that you are, that God literally gave everything so that he could be with us. God, with us. But if God is with us, then you have to understand the second element, and that is that God is for us. I, I changed the wording on this this morning, actually, because I wrote originally, God is with us, but I want to change it because I believe that sometimes we come in to a room like this and we say, yes, God's with us. Broad stroke over everybody. I want to change it to this. God is with, I want you to say it like this, God is with me. If you're writing it down, if you're taking notes, I want you to write it like that. God is with me. God is with me. God is with me. It's different. God is with us. No, God is with me. And if God is with you, then by nature of what he did to get to you, he is also for you. 
That's like the best news you could ever hear is that the God that loves you is not only done everything to be with you, but he's also for you. That's like a praise break moment. That's like a clap your hands moment. That's like a just kind of squeeze out an amen moment because your God is a God who loves you and is for you, which means this. He's on your side. When you face a difficulty, when you face a challenge, God's on your side. If you're walking through a storm today, God's on your side. If you're facing a dilemma, God's on your side. If you're walking through some difficulty, God is on your side. Well, it doesn't feel like it, Pastor. It doesn't feel like God's on my side. You know what? Joseph probably felt the same way at times. When he was sold into slavery, when he finally started to make something of himself as an attendant in Potiphar's house, and then he got falsely accused of rape. This, this is in your Bible, Genesis chapter 39. I mean, just things keep on. You ever felt like things just keep on happening? You try to do right. You try to do good. and Things keep on. That's what happened to Joseph. But it says, but God was with him. So let me tell you this. If God's with you, then he's also for you. And if he's for you, then he has, believe it or not, he has blessed you. That means you're blessed. You're blessed. Not only God, God this, is, this, this is what you need to start saying is that God has blessed me. This needs to be part of your declaration. Did you know that you'll never receive something that you don't believe? You will never receive a promise from God that you don't believe. If you don't believe God's going to bless you, you're not going to receive blessings from God. you got to believe that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You have to believe that he will bless you. You have to believe that he is with you, that he's walking with you, walking beside you in the dark times, in the good times, in the bad times, that God is with you. God is with me. He's for me. He's blessed me. In the Old Testament, there's a passage of scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 28, and it talks about the blessing of God. And many people, when they talk about this scripture, they say, oh, it's Old Testament. Listen, if you don't, we said this already, if you don't believe in the promise of God, you'll never receive the promise of God. Deuteronomy 28 says, this is what happens to people who obey him. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed. The crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herd and the lambs of your flocks, everything you do, your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but flee from you in seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns, on everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you. Anybody receive the blessing of God? Anybody believe that God wants to bless you? Because you got to believe it to receive it. You, you, you have to believe that what he says in his word is true. And if God's with me, then he's for me and he's blessing me. When you go to an interview, you should know God's with you. God's for you and he's blessing you. When you go take an exam, you need to know that God's with you. God's for you. God's blessing you. When you take on a challenge, you need to know God's with you. God's for you and he's blessing you. You have a child, you need to go, God's with you. God's for you. God's blessing you. You get married, you need to know God's with you. God's for you, and God's, that's the word of God. Pastor, that's not been my experience. Some of your experience is dictated by the things that you know and believe. See, this is what's interesting about God, is that in the Old Testament, God forced himself into man's life. But because of sin, 
And under the new covenant, now God waits to be invited by man. I'll prove it to you in just a second. That, that, that in the Old Testament, God would come upon prophets and they would prophesy. God would come upon Joseph. What about all the other people? God would come upon David. God, David was a man after God's own heart. What about all the other people? God used Moses. What about the three million people? Why, what about them? That's how God would come to accomplish his purpose. But when Jesus came, there was a shift. There, there, there was a shift, a supernatural shift. In Psalm 118, verse 5, I'll wrap this up in just a second. It says, when hard-pressed, I cried to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place. Now listen to this. Because, why did he bring me into a spacious place? Because the Lord is with me. And because the Lord is with me, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All the nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. They surrounded me on every side. You ever felt surrounded? But in the name of the Lord, I cut them down. They swarmed around me like bees, but they were consumed as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them down. I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my defense, and he has become my salvation. What is that? That is the fruit of a God that is with us. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, it's an interesting scripture, says this. It says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. I stand at the, this is God speaking. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Now, some theologians have given a picture that kind of described the scripture. I think it's really interesting because if you, if you think about this, it's God is standing outside of you. Your, your house represents your life. So he's standing at the door of your life and he knocks. God is outside and he knocks. He doesn't come in. He doesn't bust down the door. He just knocks. Theologians say there's a picture in this scripture that, 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 that really describes it this way, that God is at the door with a handle that is only on one side. Which means this, that in the Old Testament, there was a handle on God's side. That anytime he wanted to enter humanity, he would turn the door and he would enter humanity. In the life of Moses, in the life of Jeremiah, in the life of David, in the life of the people that we talk about, the heroes of the faith. But when Jesus came, they knocked the handle off of God's side. So that the only thing that God was given availability or accessibility to in the life of a believer is this. That all he, he would not force himself in your life. He would not force himself on your situation. He would just. And it says, if anyone would hear me and open, who opens the door? We, we, we open the door. If, if anybody would, would open the door, that he would come. How is God with me? 
Why isn't God with me? Why wasn't God with me here? Why wasn't God with me there? God is not going to force himself in the middle of your situation. God is looking for an invitation, friend. He is looking for an open door that says, God, I believe that you are with me. And until then, he just... Maybe even today, maybe even right now, maybe in this moment. Maybe all all that's happened in your life, maybe just this week, everything has culminated to this. God, where are you? I thought you said you're with me. God, where are you? When this happened, where were you? Where were you last year? Where were you last month? And God, with more compassion than you could ever imagine, with more love than you could ever fathom, with a heart broken and a heart desiring you, continues to knock. God will only come into situations that you invite him into. In the Old Testament, God would show up on the scene, step into mankind, But in the New Testament, he said, I'm going to repair this relationship by sending Jesus. And I'm going to just come to the door. You know what? This is wild. The the Bible says that Jesus is the door. He's the door. The the only way that we could come to God in the Old Testament is if a high priest would sacrifice a a sheep or a goat, shed blood, so you could come into the presence of God's whole ritual, whole ordeal, because we all had sin, and sin could not coexist with God. But when Jesus died, he became the door. And when God looks at the door of our life, he doesn't see your dysfunction, he doesn't see your disease, he doesn't see your sin, he doesn't see your mistakes, he doesn't see all of the things that we've done. He sees his son, and when he looks at that door, he says, you're worthy, and you're worthy, and you're worthy, and you're worthy. And we look at ourselves, and we think, surely not me, God. Surely you're not with me. And he says, I look at the door, and I see my son. I look at the door, and I see my son. I look at the door, and so he just begins to knock and as he knocks on that door he looks for anyone any man any woman any walk of life any season of life to open the door and if they open the door the promise of God is this that he will come in Emmanuel God with us that's it that's Christmas that's Christianity that's today God is with us. He's with us. He's with us in small moments. He's with us in big moments. He's with us in pain. And he's with us in blessing. He's with us in confusion. And he's with us in clarity. He's with us. Real. Actually what happened in the New Testament is when Jesus died. The Bible says this. It says that the veil in the temple that separated all of us commoners with the presence of God, it said the veil was torn. It's 18 inches thick. Some scholars believe it was 32 feet high. (sighs) Ripped when Jesus died. So if I can say it this way, each of us have access to first class if we want it. The veil's been torn. 
The divider has been removed. If you want God, he wants you. He knocks, he waits, and he says, I am Emmanuel. I am God with you. I am with you. I will be for you, and I will bless you. That's the God we serve. That's the good God that loves us, that believes in us, that laid his life down for us. He is with us. He is for us, and he is blessing you. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.